Hello, houseplant lovers. Welcome back to the Calathea Jungle Podcast. This week, I have a really exciting episode for you guys. Um, I talked to Carla, a orchid expert. Well, she's been keeping orchids for six years, and she has a ton of information about orchids, like knowledge, and she has so many plants in her house. So I'm really excited to bring you guys some orchid tips with or this orchid masterclass with Carla. So here is my chat with Carla. Hope you enjoy it. So, hi, Carla. Welcome to the Calathea Jungle Podcast. Really excited to have you on. Um, I wanted to ask you if you could tell us a bit more about your story and how you got into plants. Hi, Katarina. Thank you for inviting me. I'm actually pretty excited to be part of this. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, well, uh, to be honest, I come from Mexico. And before I came here to the Netherlands six years ago, I didn't even know how to water a plant. So, <laughs> I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but it's the truth. So, my mother used to have a lot of plants around the house and looking pretty beautiful. But, I mean, she used to take care of them. So, I used just to enjoy it, <laughs> to enjoy the surroundings, and that's it. And as well, Mexico, well, it has a lot of diversity of the fauna and flora. So, it's also very beautiful to go around, but to grow my own um, I didn't do it until I came to the Netherlands. <laughs> and when I came here, uh, I started my master's. And it was a little bit funny because I started to live in a military building. Oh. And they had, like, no decoration at all. Like, and the colors were, like, the door was red. The curtains were pale, uh, yellow. And the walls were like this military green. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I thought like, okay, I really need some uh, color in my life and um, something to, yeah, to basically sparkle a bit the, the room. So I went to the market and that's when I bought my first orchid. And I, since then I fell in love uh, with the orchids. So <laughs> until now it's kind of my favorite family of plants. And how many plants do you have in total? <laughs> well, for sure, more than 400 now. <laughs> wow, 400. <laughs> and how many yeah. of those would you say are orchids? Well, actually, yesterday I started counting them, and it's a little bit more than 120. Wow, so, <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah, about one third. <laughs> so you started keeping orchids when you came to the Netherlands six years ago. Did... uh you I know we all have this like boom where we start buying one plant and then it ex escalates did, did you also have this path with orchids I do think actually orchids are easier to find here in the Netherlands you see them quite often so it's more tempting to get a bunch at once yeah yeah no that's true actually they are very available everywhere in the supermarket in yeah I don't know everywhere you can find out orchids well in Mexico before I came here they were not that available it has come uh, in the last years. Um, well, uh, I started with one and then I bought, uh, yeah, I don't know, I think I had like 10 in total at that time. 
And during my first uh, one and a half years that I was here, I just kept with 10 uh, oh. orchids. So it was not that much. <laughs> a small boom. I would say I, I, I think most of us go for more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I had a small room. And also uh, I knew that at some point I wanted to do an internship oh, abroad. Makes... So then I didn't want to keep that many because I knew that I had to leave them. And actually, that's what I did at some point. After one and a half years, I went to Australia to do my internship. Wow. And I rented my room. And uh, the only condition, because I actually had kind of the, yeah, the, how do you say that? I could ask for something because there is a lot of uh, demand for rooms in Wageningen. Yeah. So then uh, I knew the person that I was going to rent the room. And I told her, like, of course, it's all yours. I just have one condition, please water my orchids once a week. I don't think it's that much trouble. And she was like, for sure, I love plants, blah, blah, blah. I came back from my half a year living in Australia. They were gone. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> so I had to start over. That's really sad. Did you did you also keep plants in Australia? They have also amazing plants there. Yeah, yeah. And actually, when I was there, I bought also some orchids. <laughs> And for for half a year, I just was, yeah, like keeping those orchids and then I just gave them away. Yeah. <laughs> it's so sad you can't bring them over then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's too much trouble, I think. I, I think so as well. Maybe let's talk about, also, do you know how many types of orchids you have? I know there are like a bunch of different types. I'm total, I'm a total orchid newbie. So I'm going to get at this as a total newbie. I only know the ones that are called bamboo orchids, but I don't think they're actually called that. But uh, so how many types of orchids do you actually have? I actually don't know, but for sure, I think for sure more than 50 different ones uh, I to be honest I don't uh, keep a book now to get to know which different species do I have and also the thing is that now you can have a lot of hybrids and mm. the ones that you find actually in stores are complex hybrids which means that you cannot even trace back the parentage of the of the plants so they are like just like a hybrid with uh, of a hybrid of a hybrid of a hybrid so they are just called complex hybrids and uh, just uh, to add to that actually orchids is very interesting because it's the second biggest family of plants in the world wow. and i think no like not many people uh, know that because um, yeah i mean they are about 20,000 30,000 different species and actually, they are still discovering uh, different species by today. So species that are not known yet. And, and as well, like there are so many hybrids. And uh, I mean, if you count the hybrids, there are more than 100,000 different uh, type of species plus hybrids. So it's just so diverse and so complex. That <laughs> How do you ever keep track of them? That's mind blowing. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the thing is that many orchids that I get, uh, as I mentioned, from the stores and so on, those ones are complex hybrids. So I cannot really tag them besides like I just put a tag describing the the flower, like uh, white with dots and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And of course, I know the type of species because uh, let's say that the, that the leaves and this type of things kind of gives you an indication of which type of species 
species it is. But uh, knowing the, well, which type of gender I mean it is, but uh, knowing the species exactly would be complicated. And many people, even if they are very well trained, uh, they have to wait for the flower to actually accurately uh, classify the orchid. Wow, it's like a whole science behind orchid keeping <laughs> and identifying. Yeah. yeah, there's so many, so, so many. And uh, most of them don't look like the typical Phalaenopsis uh, ones that we find in the store. Uh, so Phalaenopsis are the ones that, um, yeah, I don't know, that you can find everywhere. I don't know how you how to describe them. They are like what like one main stem and they just sprout leaves from there. <laughs> and they're like big leaves. So those ones, and they have like very beautiful color, colorful flowers uh, that come from a stem. So those ones are the, the very common ones. And I think that the ones that you mentioned that this uh, bamboo yeah. uh, orchids, maybe I can think that they are dendrobiums because dendrobiums grow like in, they have like this type of canes that resemble bamboo. So I can imagine that uh, those may be dendrobiums. Yeah, I think that's what they're called. I've heard that before, so it seems it might be. <laughs> but uh, you know, plant labeling, especially here in the Netherlands, I don't know how it is elsewhere, is just terrible. Yeah, yeah, and there are many species that are confused and mislabeled, and that happens a lot. So yeah, <laughs> common problem. So the common orchid, um, I think, those are the ones that people sometimes. For me, for example, it was in the beginning. It, I really didn't want to have common orchids because they look like that. I didn't know orchids could be more than just those ones that my grandma likes. Those ones. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny that you say that because when I told a friend of my boyfriend that I was collecting orchids, he was like, oh, that's such a grandma hobby. What are you doing? And I was like, they are not grandma. <laughs> I mean, it has. I mean, doesn't matter, but it's just funny that people associate them with uh, with grandmothers. So I think that's very sweet as well. It is. There are certain <laughs> plants I think that get classified as like grandma plants. The African violets also fall into that category. I'm just getting into those, and everyone's like, "Oh, those are like your grandma has those plants or something." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, grandma plants." <laughs> But uh, yeah, so maybe let's talk about some care. Uh, let's go through some phase and talk, maybe go into first lighting. What kind of light do orchids need to thrive? Is it different per species? Yeah, so to talk a little bit more, uh, yeah, I don't know, in general about that, uh, I can tell you that since there are so many, many species, like they can grow everywhere in the world that there is, basically vegetation, right, growing. Yeah. So uh, they can have so different care conditions and, and light needs. And it's just not just light, but of course, uh, maybe humidity, maybe uh, yeah, watering, things can vary a lot. But uh, the thing is that the orchids that you can normally buy in the stores that are, as I mentioned, complex hybrids, those ones are hybridized uh, in order to be more suitable for some, for home growing. So uh, those ones as well are mostly epiphytes, which means that they grow on trees, bare-rooted. And um, yeah, those ones are normally 
more known to be kind of tropical plants, which means that they grow in intermediate and warm temperatures. So the normal uh, orchids that you can buy in a store, they will be fine in a home condition, in home conditions. About light, uh, many orchids need actually bright light to get enough energy to actually produce flowers. So if you have an orchid and you have it at home and you don't have it in a very good light conditions, it may survive, but it may not flower at all uh, again. So that's something that you have to consider. So the best, uh, I think that the best option to do would be to put your orchid in bright light. And this doesn't mean direct sunlight because that will burn the leaves, but somewhere where they can have a very bright light. And that way, probably you will assure that all these type of orchids will uh, rebloom if you, of course, take a good care of them. And what about, I've seen, uh, I have a friend who has some orchids. She's sending me like pictures all the time. <laughs> What's wrong with my orchid? <laughs> Typical people who have plants. Um, but like, what is, what does it mean if they have like white, is that white on the leaves? Is that burning? Mm, well, it depends. Uh, what do you mean with white? But I had had some, uh, indeed some uh, sunburn of some of my of my leaves and they indeed look a bit more pale like a bit yeah maybe like a like a very light yellow or something like that and mm. uh, that can indeed be a sunburn and of course if she has the orchid just in a southwest facing window that in the north hemisphere means that you have the strongest sun of the day in the let's say evening early afternoon mm -hmm. then uh, yeah for i think that there's a good chance that that is sunburn yeah yeah, I think she has it in a south-facing window. Yeah, then it might be. <laughs> Very interesting. So, as I said, total orchid newbie. I do have a few of those dendrobium, but I don't know. One of them didn't reflower yet, so I'm a bit worried. Um, how much water do you think you normally give to your plants? Is it once a week, or um, do you have different watering patterns for the different types? Uh, well, actually, yeah, you kind of have different watering patterns uh, according to the orchid. Um, but again, the common uh, type of orchids that you can find in stores, normally they are fine with once a week. And that will depend a lot on the media that you have on the roots and as well your environment. So here in the Netherlands, that uh, basically is a little bit colder now, uh, once a week is more than enough to, to keep the, the orchid hydrated. And again, this type of orchids, uh, dendrobiums or phalaenopsis orchids have a systems to store water in the roots and that kind of let them not, let's say, starve and die of nutrients and water. So once a week, I think it's a good approach, but of course, again, it will depend on the media. If you have it only in sphagnumus, that as you know, sphagnumus retains a lot of water, then uh, maybe you will have to, to diminish the, the frequency of water. I think that the best rule that you can do, especially with Phalaenopsis orchids, uh, they normally tend to come in transparent pots. So when you see that the roots are like silver-like, like green, but like a, like a type of silvery color, 
That means that they need watering. If you still see them like a very bright light, uh, green, that means that they don't need water because they are they still have water in the media. So best thing would be to water the, the orchid every time that you see that the roots are getting silvery again. Okay, and you were talking about roots, and this is just out of pure since I know nothing about orchids. Do because I see them also in those silver or like see-through pots. Do they need to be repotted or do they like being like kind of root bound? Because it looks like they're kind of root bound in there, but I have no clue. So <laughs> yeah, no, it, yes, they normally need to be uh, repotted. And the kind of the thumb rule is that if you have them in organic media, uh, which means kind of orchid bark or sphagnum or anything that degrades over time, you need to repot them every two years. And that is because when the, this material starts to break down, it, you still kind of breed bacteria and pathogens there that may affect the roots later on. So that is a situation that you have to consider. On the other hand as well, well, in addition to that, uh, orchids, these type of orchids are epiphytes, so they don't want to, they, ha they want to have air. So if they are totally saturated, then they don't have enough air and their roots can asphyxiate sorry, and die. And that will create, again, more pathogens growing in your, in your pot, affect the rest of the roots, and then you can have an orchid that has, uh, well, that loses all the root system because of uh, that type of situation. So it's good to report every two years. Okay, every two years. Good to know. Good to know. I'm definitely probably going to get into orchids after this because there's so many and they're so fascinating. Yeah, actually, some something funny that also, uh, well, amaz amazed me when I started to to get into orchids is that flowers can be so diverse. It's just amazing. And many of them resemble so much of animals. That's so, so, so funny. Like you can find flowers that look like uh, flies or bees or butterflies, goldfish, uh, lizards, even monkeys. Like, you know, like maybe with a wow. little bit of imagination, but the flowers are so diverse and so like, uh, yeah, I don't know. They, they, they are so diverse that they can really resemble these type of animals. And many orchids, for example, the one that I tell you that looks like a monkey and it's called uh, Orchisimia, because of course it looks like a monkey. That's funny. <laughs> so many people name it because of the resemblance of, 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 yeah, of the monkey. And these type of things as well happened. <laughs> I really like that. See, I, I yeah. know nothing about orchids. I'm fascinated now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, there are orchids that can be from a couple of millimeter big to five meters big. Five so, meters? Yeah, yeah. So they're super, super diverse, as I mentioned. But we just know the tip of the iceberg. Like we are just at home growing phalaenopsis, and yeah, we know nothing about orchids. It's uh, it's amazing how much, and I can understand how people can really get fascinated about them because they are just uh, so special. And part of it, uh, again, as I mentioned, is the flowers, and the flowers not only have like so many different colors and resemble of animals, etc., but they also have smells. So they have like so beautiful smells. I have uh, some orchids that smell like lime, like lemons, like uh, 
vanilla, like uh, cinnamon, like uh, and some other like honeysuckle, like all those type of things. Like it's just very very interesting to to experience. And of course, the shape and the smell are related to how the orchid uh, attracts pollinators. So of course, as you can imagine, the ones that uh, look like a like a bee or like a fly or something like that, some of them have like the shape of a female uh, fly, for example, or something like that. So then they attract the, um, the insect to come to mate to the flower. But then when they are mating, they're also pollinating the flower. So they are actually not mating with a real insect, but with the flower in order to be pollinated. That's fascinating. So, uh, so there are different cases like this. And then you also have some orchids that also smell horrible. And that is because they also attract uh, flies that like to sit in rotten meat or this type of thing. So they also have like these type of smells. But yeah, those ones are not uh, the ones that I like to keep. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine having those in your home would not be as pleasant. But that's really interesting. I only found out they smelled this year because one of my dendrobium smelled like vanilla. And I just, because I, when I got it, I smelled it. I was like, oh, I've never had that. Because I think the the common Phalaenopsis ones or that you can find at a store, I don't think they smell, right? No, they don't. No, you normally find that in more species. Like there are some Phalaenopsis species that really have a beautiful, beautiful scent, but the ones in the flower show, they're normally not scented. No, I think those confuse you then. And then you don't explore further with orchids. Really, really fascinating. So I have a lot of tropical plants in my house. Do orchids, you talked about humidity a bit before, but do orchids need as much as humidity as, say, my calatheas, or what's the whole humidity situation with orchids? Well, uh, they are orchids that indeed they are susceptible to to humidity. Um, and I, I normally don't like to have humidifiers or extra growing lamps or, or these type of things because like my environmental me inside says like that's <laughs> kind of wasting energy and so on but on the other hand like i decided to have like a small room with a humidifier to kind of uh, be able to grow some tropical plants plus some orchids and uh, many of them since they come from tropical environments uh, they would kind of uh, grow a little bit better but the ones that you actually buy in the store again, uh, those ones are basically non, not really, not really affected by it. You can grow them just in your house with uh, 30, 40 percent humidity. As long as you water them properly, they won't suffer. So for the ones that you can again get in the stores, it's not a problem as long as you water them uh, frequently enough. Uh, but for some other species, maybe more tricky indeed to keep them if you don't have like a a humid environment oh very interesting so very durable the normal ones you can buy at like any common shop yeah and they're relatively easy to keep Uh, yeah but then to make them for flower i think that that's (laughs) what is normally the the trouble of people and that's why they just decided to sadly throw it away and then just buy a new one with flowers (laughs) I, i find that a bit sad but i see that all here in the netherlands with plants in general they just replace them quite easily 
yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, to be honest, uh, if you buy a, a new bouquet of flowers, that can be what five euros, and then it lasts you maybe at most a week. Well, a phalaenopsis can flower for can keep the flowers for two months, three months, and uh, it costs you the same price, right? So, I mean, I understand why, oh, but yeah. it's a bit. Yeah, I see. I see the comparison, especially if people are not getting those rare orchids and just getting common ones, then I kind of get it. But yeah, the plant lover in me kind of screams, ah, try to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, orchids are an, an acquired taste in that sense, because most of the orchids don't flower as long as the ones that you find in the stores. So most of them have maybe one month flower, maybe less two weeks flowers, this type of things. And uh, then you have to wait many times a whole year until it will flower again, right? So you have like yeah. a bare plant without flowers. So then you really have to be kind of fan of it and adapt to the fact that they may not look as pretty with the flowers uh, most of the year. But uh, when you make them flower again, I think that that's really a reward. And that's something that you learn to appreciate a lot. And when they flower again, it's because you did actually a good job. So it's kind of a price. <laughs> That's true. Very rewarding. So <laughs> I think this is probably always my least favorite part of any topic is what are some of the most common pests you see in orchids? Well, amazingly, I almost have no pests in my orchids. So it's great because in my I had like a trip attack on my monsteras and my philodendrons and like I also have mealybugs in my in my succulents and I was like terrified it was like I'm, I was like crazy but uh, actually my my orchids are pretty resilient like I had I I had had some pests in two of my orchids uh, when I had these uh, trips outbreak they started to affect two of my orchids and those orchids are uh, actually some orchids that are have thinner leaves. Mm -hmm. So then uh, I guess that trips for trips is easier to basically attack uh, like thin leaf plants. Uh, so that is that. And I also had some mealybugs in one uh, together with aphids. But those ones love the flowers. So basically I have most of them on the flowers of one orchid that aphids were just like they're attacking the flower and also mealybugs. But uh, I basically tackled that. Well, the, the trips, I'm still fighting them. <laughs> but uh, besides those three orchids, out of 120, I think that that's a pretty good rate. <laughs> that's, a, that's an amazing rate. I'm right, but, with, uh -huh. I'm right there with you fighting those uh, trips. <laughs> yeah, oh, they are just, oh my God, they get me upside down. But the thing that I had had maybe more often is uh, infections. And that is a fungus infection, fungal infection and bacteria infection. And uh, that normally happens when the orchid has like a cut, let's say, like open wound. And then, yeah, a pathogen managed to enter. So then I had had, I had uh, some infectious in infections in the leaves that look like black spots. Basically, are necrotic spots in the leaves, so I had to cut uh, parts of the leaves and then kind of uh, seal the wounds. And I even had had crown rot of some of my orchids because sometimes when you water, especially the ones that are 
a monopodial orchids, which means that they have like a main stem and from the main stem you have like the um, leaves sprouting out. If you pull water on the crown or well, if you pull water in between the leaves, uh, sometimes if you don't have enough airflow, the water will sit there and some pathogens may grow. And if they grow, they attack the orchid and it's very difficult to save that plant. Probably like to be honest, you have 95% of chance that it will die. <laughs> Or something like that. I mean, sometimes the orchids are managed to fight it, but most of the case of the cases are goner. So that's something to yeah that I had had more often rather than uh, other type of pests that attack most plants. Let's say. And what do you use to treat that? Yeah. So the thing is that you cannot really uh, treat it. Uh, what what I do is I cut the infected area. So I sterilize scissors. Mm -hmm. I cut the, the infected area like into good tissue, which means like everything that has black spots or something has to go, I have to cut into the good tissue to assure that those type of uh, infections are not um, further spreading. And then I just put a little bit of cinnamon to seal it. Basically cinnamon, well, some people says that it has some antibacterial properties and so on, but I think that it rather just dries up faster the, the wound. So mm -hmm. there's less chance that actually something may enter. So then I just have to basically amputate my orchids. But they recover, <laughs> they recover, they create more leaves and at some point that uh, goes off and, and it's not a problem anymore. I mean, wow. it may take a couple of years, but... <laughs> to reflower. <laughs> Yeah, well, sometimes that's also a problem that uh, they are set back. And uh, when they are set back, yes, it can take a couple of years until they flower again. And that has happened as well to me because it's uh, relatively, if you don't know much about orchids, it's relatively easy to set back an orchid. Oh, that's sad. So you need to do your research for orchids to be able to get them to flower every year. Yeah, I mean, it sounds difficult, but actually, it's, once you understand uh, what they need, it's relatively easy. And uh, I mean, I can summarize it as bright light, water once a week if you have it in bark or something like that. So water every time that the orchid is, let's say, dry from the fruits, then you water it again. And then uh, also it's nice to add some fertilizer every now and then because orchids, of course, they don't get nutrients from the media mostly you have to provide the nutrients so add some fertilizer for orchids every now and then and report uh, yeah there are certain depending on the type of orchids there are certain uh, seasons that is better to report your orchid and most of the times it's not in winter <laughs> so no unless <laughs> yeah so unless your orchid is very sick and it's really really vital to report it in winter I mean, in places that have a cold climate, I mean, uh, then do it. But uh, if it's not necessary and your orchid can go for a while, then I would rather let it um, basically report it when it's growing vegetative growth, which means fruits and leaves. Makes sense. No more repotting as of now, right? Because we're in fall. There's also still... Yeah, I mean, on the other hand, like the room that I keep the orchids in, well, they, not, not all of my orchids, but the, um, the room that I mentioned with the humidifier, yeah. it is like at 20 degrees. So mm -hmm. then I guess 
uh, I mean, the orchids, they just will continue grow if I can keep kind of some uh, light and some, uh, let's say, warm to intermediate temperatures. So then it doesn't matter. But indeed, if you have it like next to your windowsill and then you know that your house can get down to 15 degrees, then yeah, it's more complicated because the orchid really yeah feels the difference. And something that I have to add that is also important is, well, I think that is interesting, is that most of the Phelanopsis that you find in stores, uh, if you could, uh, took a good care of them and they are not reblooming, is because normally in their normal habitat, they need a cool down. So that's funny because for this type of orchids, uh, they are kind of uh, signaled to the change of season. So that means that they normally will bloom like in the change from autumn to winter in these tropical places or like maybe in spring. So they have like those are the only times of the year that they actually have, let's say, cooler temperatures. And they, that indicates the, the plant, OK, you have to flower now. So what nurseries do is that, and why you can have orchids with flower the whole year is that because of course they control the temperatures and then they give them the cool down whenever in the year so that they can start producing the flowers and then you can have uh, flowers all around the year. But in generally these plants, if they're taken well care of, they will flower with these uh, differences in temperature. So if you want your orchid to flower, you took good care of them, then indeed put it in the windowsill that gets maybe around 15 degrees in the night and again kind of warm on the on the day and then they may spike again. Oh, that's interesting. I might have to try that. <laughs> so uh, I don't have any more questions, I think. Do you have any more interesting orchid information to share with us? I know you have so much. Yeah, actually, I, do. <laughs> I don't want to bore the people, but <laughs> I find it very interesting. So I just wanted to, because, well, I'm from Mexico, and it's just weird because I feel like especially attached to some of the plants that are coming from Mexico. And that's why I also keep uh, some uh, cacti and these type of things, because I know that they are actually native species, like endemic species from Mexico. I do them more because they kind of resemble home to me. So uh, one interesting story I think is uh, that not many people know is that the vanilla, the flavor vanilla, the aroma vanilla you, that you can eat comes from orchids. What? So an orchid, yes, an orchid is the one that produces these vanilla uh, seed pods that is used to produce this flavor of vanilla that you eat in your ice cream, in your cakes, in whatever. What? That's crazy. Yeah, and it comes from Mexico. <laughs> so I was like, what? <laughs> Best things come from Mexico. <laughs> so then it is called uh, vanilla plantifolia, or planifolia, sorry. And uh, yeah, so this, this plant actually is uh, endemic from Mexico and Central America. And uh, the story tells that actually uh, the Aztecs, that is basically the, the previous uh, um, yeah, cultures that were in Mexico before the Spanish came to conquer, uh, the main tribe was called the Aztecs. And then these Aztecs, uh, they used to use already the vanilla and chocolate, because also chocolate is from Mexico. So the cocoa, uh, so the, the, choco the cocoa beans, that is basically from where you get the chocolate, 
they used to mix it together with chili to make a beverage. Wow. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that was uh, actually already used since uh, many, many, many centuries ago in Mexico. And when the Spanish came to conquer Mexico, at some point they found this beverage and like it took 20 years or something till they brought it to Spain. But then it was with some adaptations by the Spain Royalty and they really liked it. So then it became more popular and actually uh, it started to spread around Europe. So many people, so many at that time collectors and so on of orchids decided to actually bring that orchid to cultivate it in Europe and try to get the 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 orchid, the, let's say seed pods. But oh. of course they may, and then this come of course with the with the mentions as well of greenhouses, so they could actually grow the orchids there. Uh, the vanilla orchid will grow with flower, but it would never produce the seeds. And that is because they didn't have the, the pollinator. Oh. It didn't exist in, in Europe, so they couldn't have any pollination of the flowers. They couldn't have then the, the, the seed pods that will basically be treated to create the flavor. So the, as I say, like the story tells it, that a French guy that was growing it into, a, I don't know, one of the islands, uh, he was like a very rich landowner and he had, it was the time of the, I don't know, 1800s or so when they still have slaves. So then uh, the guy uh, had this precious orchid growing from a mango tree that he also had in his property. And he was amazed that it still, he never had the seeds, right? Mm -hmm. And at some point after years, he actually found that many of the flowers were creating seed pods. So he was like, what the hell? How is this, how is this happening now, right? So he started to investigate it. And the thing is that one of the guys that actually he treated as a slave was uh, mad at him at some point. So what he did is that he used to climb to that tree and he smashed the flowers because he was angry with, the, with this landowner. And by smashing the flowers, basically he put together the male and the female part of the flower, so he would pollinate the flower, and that's how actually the the um, orchid created started to create the seed pods. So he started to know this, and now apparently that farm kind of still um, exists, mm -hmm. and there is like people pollinating by hand the flowers there. Wow! Just to get vanilla's like taste or. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that apparently is one of the finest, but I, who knows? <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, what the story tells. So I thought it was an interesting story that, yeah, you wouldn't imagine, right? <laughs> Fascinating. I would never have thought that vanilla comes from orchids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I have that orchid at, at home uh, oh. growing in on a tree list. It hasn't flowered for me, but I think I'm also not giving enough light uh, for it to flower. But yeah, again, I'm really like battling inside of me if I should really have uh, growing lights and uh, yeah, extra energy cost and, and yeah, I don't know. I have to think about it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, what does it look like? I was going to say, can you buy them here? So clearly you can if you have one. Uh, you mean the orchids? Yes. They yeah, are the, actually... the vanilla one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can even, uh, so in the, there's like this, um, how do you say that? Um, it's called Orchidenhofen or something like that. Mm -hmm. That is a place where you can go to, they have several orchids in kind of a 
semi-tropical environments. So you can go to visit them. They are where somewhere in Holland, I think. Anyway, um, they I got mine from there. Uh, so they sell them there as well. They you can find them online with uh, orchid nurseries, and they are not expensive. I mean, not super expensive. Maybe you will pay 14 euros for one or something like that. Oh, that's not bad. No, so yeah, so you can have them. And actually, it's the only orchid that has like such a big economical impact because, of course, it's growing in huge masses in order to uh, produce the vanilla flavor. And actually, vanilla is super expensive. Uh, and during the years, uh, people find out that the main uh, compound that produces this uh, uh, aromatic uh, scent is, uh, well, they call it vinigina, or, well, it's, in English it's vinigin, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, it's like a, a compound that can be produced chemically. So actually that chemically com- that compound produced chemically is the one that is put now in most of the yogurts and stuff like that. It's not natural uh, vanilla anymore because it's very expensive. So just in a f- just in few products that are more, let's say, elite, you will find yeah. the vanilla. And funny enough, you will apparently also find it in Chanel number no. five. Because oh. it also <laughs> includes <laughs> the vanilla aroma. <laughs> From so, the orchids. Yeah, well, I don't know if, if it's the natural one or the chemical one, but apparently the formulation that was, uh, I think, created in 1927 or something like that included the vanilla scent. Crazy. Orchids are mind-blowing. If if someone listens to this and doesn't go out and buy an orchid afterwards, then I don't know what's going <laughs> wrong. Yeah, 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 so they're super interesting. There's so much to, to know and so much story. Uh, about them and behind them and uh, some other funny fact is that actually orchid comes from the greek and it means uh, testicles (laughs) 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 and apparently it was because at the time that it was described there uh, they were describing certain type of orchid that had kind of some bulbous like of structure and soft or something like that, and then uh, they just call it like that, like orchid. But I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right in Greek, but it's written similar, just with a K and without the D, or keys or something like that. And yeah, it's <laughs> that's the the meaning of it. And I was like, oh, this can't be true. So I went to a colleague that is Greek, and I asked him, is this really Greek for testicles? And then he told me, yeah. So I guess it is. <laughs> oh, no. Such beautiful plants named after testicles. (laughs) Yeah, but apparently just a very small percentage of orchids have actually those structures. Like it's not, they're not very common. So when they describe them, uh, that's how they describe them. And and it just sticks because the family is actually coming from that, uh, let's say, stem of the language because it's Orchidaceae, the family, right? Yeah. Ah, So they identified one of them but it then represented the whole group yeah yeah so <laughs> indeed miss uh like a fake news name because <laughs> not all of them look <laughs> like that yeah but the same ha- happens with avocado eh? uh, really yeah but in spanish so the spanish of avocado is aguacate mm-hmm. and aguacate uh, in nahuatl that is one of the ancient uh, languages of the Mexican cultures, 
is uh, avocado is actually testicle or scrotum or something like that. So then the word in Spanish it actually comes from, from that as well. I wonder. I wonder if it's like that in Portuguese. No, you guys named it because in Portuguese we also call it abacate. So. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so apparently, it also comes from that. People were just very descriptive when you saw something that looked like. <laughs> so use that name. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I mean, yeah, that happens, right? <laughs> happens a lot. Um, with the peace lily, the spat spat the phylum it was also something like flower spoon so also really interesting how they come up with uh these greek names for plants oh yeah actually that's that's yeah that's true yeah. and actually in dutch it's called lepo plant or something like yeah that, right? yeah exactly that is, uh, indeed spoon so i didn't get why they called it then in english a peace lily yeah, in Spanish it's called uh, uh, Cuna de Moises. That means like the the crate where the baby uh, Jesus or something was inside. So the flower means like that the, the flower is the crate and the inside, uh, I don't know what is the name of the inside of the flower. This thing like the baby or something like that. I don't know. People have a lot of imaginations. <laughs> yeah, every uh, every language make, comes up with their own name then. Common plant name in the end. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Well, thank you so much, Carla, for teaching us all about orchids and making us want to buy as many orchids as we can. <laughs> so, if listeners would like to watch uh, your YouTube videos, because I know you have amazing YouTube videos, and follow you on Instagram, where can they find you? Yeah, so the name of both is uh, Chlorophyll is the New Black. Uh, it's spelled a little bit weird because you have to really look for the word world chlorophyll. <laughs> it's not easy to spell. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> but yeah, indeed, you can find me if you uh, look for chlorophyll is the new black. And I have as well, uh, I think, one video now of general orchid care and uh, yeah, some other plant projects as well. I also wanted to ask you why why is your name the chlorophyll is the new black? Yeah, well, I mean, at the beginning I wanted something easy, and then I thought, okay, let's call it green is the new black. But then apparently, they, well, actually, I was ideating with a friend, and then we had different different ideas. But at the end, the one that we thought, okay, this sticks the best uh, is uh, chlorophyll is the new black because. Green is the new black because uh, I don't know if you know that saying, but it means that something that is the new black means that something that will not. Uh, so black is like the standard for uh, fashion, right? It will yeah. never go away. Yeah. Black will always be black and will always be elegant and will always be there. So yeah. then when people says like uh, whatever is the new black means that is something that is supposed to to come to stay. But yeah, at the end of the day, thing, <laughs> things change so much. But then, so I wanted to say that green, because plants are green, is a new black. So plants are coming to stay. And um, there was somebody else with that name already. And I was like, no. <laughs> oh, no. So then, I mean, thinking about it, it was like, well, what makes plants uh, green? And then we said, like, okay, chlorophyll. So chlorophyll makes plants green. So then that's why we want to call it chlorophyll is a new black. And also, 
at that point, this friend also found an article that says like, okay, uh, if plants absorb light, that you, I don't know if you know, but light basically yeah. has all the colors. If you decompose light, it has all the colors uh, of the rainbow, right? Yeah. So um, it was very interesting to to actually understand like why plants are actually green and how they actually reflect the green and not, for example, black or any other color. So we started to investigate to investigate in that, and then we just really good got hooked up into the name. And I thought, yeah, I I, I will keep it. But now that uh, <laughs> yeah, that I'm trying to promote my channel, like yeah, how do you spell that? Yeah, very complicated. <laughs> yeah. No, I love a name that has a meaning. It's amazing. I knew I needed to ask you this because I knew there was going to be a great explanation. So <laughs> I'm happy you chose this name. I hope everyone goes check out Chlorophyll is the New Black. Go follow Carla and go watch her <laughs> videos. They're very informative. I watched a few already. I need to figure out where to get seeds for green tomatoes. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can give you for sure. I have a lot <laughs> Let's exchange seeds. That's good. <laughs> Thank you so much, Carla. And um, yeah, see you guys next week. <laughs>